0: What's up guys this is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business we do tons of heavy grinding every single day and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribrade variable speed 2x72 is just that. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder, or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. Alright, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast.
1: what is up everybody welcome back to the new hustle and grind podcast i'm your host with uh, i guess i should say my name my name is noah bloomberg from Anyat river forge but anyone at blade knows that with me is your host ryan coakley from ryan chadbourne knife works we have a very special episode today that might be a little chaotic it is the after blade recap with us we have jeremy from 419 forging we have Neil from Maximus Knives and we have Justin Miller of Florida Man Forge. Welcome, one and all. How's it going? How are you guys doing? What
2: Woo-hoo! am I, chop liver?
1: <laughs> I said your name first.
2: Oh, you did? Pitching are your
1: shop. ears on?
2: I'm still recovering, man. It's like <laughs> I'm I'm not built for the these like it was like being back in the party days, and I didn't even drink anything. <laughs> like three hours of sleep for a week straight four days in a row
1: i don't know for sure but i'm pretty sure i slept for about 15 hours straight last night because i got home well i didn't get home so i my plane landed at 9:30, and then i got picked up uh, by my parents at the airport drove back to my car and if anybody knows washington so i live about three to four hours away from the main airport in washington so then i had to pick up my car and i went straight from their home and i had to drive over the pass and everything so uh i didn't get any sleep i didn't sleep on the plane i i i swear now we have Dustin from the art of craftsmanship joining
2: welcome dustin we're three minutes in. (laughs) sorry i'm three minutes in you got great timing I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was,
3: uh, Oh, you're good. I was outside cleaning my truck with my wife. And then I I was getting all the texts and I was like, Oh shit. want to jump on. So welcome. Hi guys. So, yeah.
1: So for the listeners, we could have even more people joining this podcast. We, we got just kind of like an open invitation for all the guys that were at blade. Um, so this could be slightly chaotic and a whole lot of fun. So I think just to start off with, we should just kind of get everybody's perspective on Blade, uh, especially the guys that hadn't been there before. Uh, Jeremy, let's start with you.
4: Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, it was a really great experience, honestly. And I think if anyone's like on the board or on the fence about going, I think you should just just go. Because even, even like not selling anything, I, I feel like I learned a ton from just being at Blade. What was your main takeaway from the from the whole experience? Um I think for me it's the it's the small details in my work, like fit and finish details, like stop being lazy and just finish them, you know, cuz you look at other people's stuff and you're like, man, what really sets me apart from them and it's and it, it seems to come down to fit and finish. So, for me it's just to to be less lazy, I guess.
1: Right on. Well, Neil, you've been to Blade before. This was not your first experience,
5: but let's right. just go
1: ahead and hear, hear how the weekend was for you and what were your main takeaways and, and, and what was the funnest part of it for you?
5: Well, I always enjoy seeing all the people that I talk to all the time. So that's, that's a great, a great thing. Um, it was it, going in because all y'all were there for your first time, except for Justin. Um, cause I saw him there last year. Uh, but so, Going in for your second year, it's a whole nother animal um you're a little bit more focused and everything, but I know everything y'all went through so watching watching all the people that I knew had never been there before like eyes light up and see all these people that they wanted to meet and the actual look of enjoyment on their face was great. um the fact that my old tired body was able to outrun some of these younger cats was kind of cool but honestly, <laughs> Like the coolest thing, like, I mean, I I learned a lot more because there was a different group of uh, upper echelons there this year. So I was able to talk to some people and get some more feedback from different eyes on some stuff. And I brought more work with me this year. But the most fun thing, a lot of people don't even know I was really involved with, was the uh, Blade Show Build Along with Josh Weston. Um, I've been planning uh, some part in that since basically last year. And uh, we got to do a lot of that this year. So I was hanging out a lot with the uh, coal iron guys and the Ameribraid guys and, uh, you know, even heat guys and Josh and his cousin or bro cousin, uh, Andy, like I say, and we were all hanging out a whole lot and it was just a lot of fun. So I got to get up close and personal with a lot of people that I've been wanting to see for a long, long time. And it was great. and and poking Noah every time I could see him was really fun. He hated it. So it was even better.
1: All right. Well, I got, I got two things to say on that before we go over to Justin. Um, this is going to be kind of confusing Justin and Dustin, but we'll, we'll make it work. Uh, so for those that don't know the, the blade show build along is Josh Weston's pet project. And every year he makes (coughs) a knife start to finish while at blade. And he does a series of videos on this, um, Neil, is he, a, is he a YouTuber as well, I think?
5: I believe he's got YouTube. Um, I mainly follow him on his two Instagram accounts, uh, Josh Weston. Uh, or not the, but Josh Weston. And then he has the Dragon Forge experience because um, he does build the uh, dragon dragon sculpture forges that he takes to Renaissance festivals. So you can yeah, forge like a little, little hammer or forge a, you can hammer forge a, a little knife out of a dragon's mouth, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
1: so this year was pretty cool. Um, he got a billet of Damascus from our boy Micah over at MD Edgeworks, and so it turned out really cool. It had a um, an S-grind on it and some really cool handle scales. He etched it in Gator Piss, so he was hanging out with the guys from... Uh, Baker forge and tool for that as well. So that was a really fun project. Um, the other thing is, is that I, I made a huge mistake because I let slip on the podcast that one of my pet peeves is I don't like people touching me. And, uh, I'm just generally a person that kind of just like stays in his house and in his workshop. So this whole thing was very, uh, it was a, anxiety filled experience made worse by the fact that neil took it upon himself that um, me saying that i don't like being touched was a personal challenge to him Um, so i can honestly say that at no point in my life have i ever had that many men grabbing my rear end or touching my side at any point in my life so uh, thank you neil for that you're welcome all right, so Justin, let's uh, let's hear from J- J- Justin with a J, Justin Miller. Uh, let's hear from you about your experience. Um, I'm, I know you've been to Blade before. Uh, what was this weekend like for you, and what was kind of your main takeaway or or your favorite part about it?
6: Well, I think we know my favorite part of the, the blade weekend, uh, the, uh, the sticker adventure was definitely my favorite part. Um, I love going to blade. It's a blast. This is my third year and I just go to hang out and there you go. That's it. That's the sticker. Um, yeah, I just like going and hanging out and especially meeting new people. You do get to see kind of where you stand in the whole scheme of things, looking at other people's work.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It,
6: it can lift you up and it can also kick you way, way down. But it's a good motivator. It makes you want to get back into the shop and actually get some stuff done.
1: So I'm our listeners have no idea what you're talking about with the sticker adventure. Is that something that you want to talk about here?
6: Sure. Um, I, I really can't really say where I got. I guess I got the idea. Pickle changed his uh, pickle cutters, Nick Tobin changed this profile picture one day and it was late i may not have been in a great mind space and i thought this needs to be a sticker so i went on a sticker mule clicked around for a few seconds and ordered up a pack of 100 and just kind of went from there started uh passing them out and i didn't do a lot of the legwork everybody else anybody i handed stickers to kind of took that that job for me and ran with it and it turned out great they were hidden almost everywhere at blade show out of blade show in food <laughs> everywhere
1: so i mean that was like a it's like a grassroots movement i mean that's amazing neil what you got buddy
5: yeah so i was actually gonna come say something when because i knew this was gonna come up uh so my whole thought is I I know where I put one in between and it's it's a sign somewhere on the grounds of the hotel. Okay. So there's these signs, you know, you have a sign facing one way and a sign facing another way. I put one of those pickle stickers in between the signs. Oh, if it's work. still it's still there next year and somebody finds it, Ooh, I might man. give them a knife.
7: <laughs> oh. Nice, nice. <laughs> oh. the first
5: person. So it's somewhere on the property of the Cobb Galleria, in between some signs. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have great. that.
1: <clears throat> All right. Well, there's a challenge for everybody. Yeah. So when when the whole uh, Instagram verified thing came out, everybody started switching their their profiles to their faces so that they could sign up to get their little blue check mark and you know i love every single one of you guys and i i understand why why a lot of people myself included have their photo as one of their pieces of work and not their <laughs> face so uh, and uh and, and again, I love every one of you guys, so don't hate me. Don't hate me. I'm just telling the truth here, guys. And uh, and Pickle's face in his photo, if if, uh, if if anyone here doesn't follow Pickle Cutters, you got to go check it out because, I mean, it is just the frowniest, angriest-looking face you've ever seen in your life. It looks like he is pissed off about the world. So I can definitely understand why Justin, in a slightly impaired state, might have come to think that that was pretty darn hilarious. So... That was a lot of fun, and I saw those stickers all over Blade. There was one that was sitting underneath on a so a turnstile that had one of uh, Mareko Momasi's knives on a turnstile in like a really fancy setting. All of a sudden, there's just like this (laughs) this pickle face like underneath it. It's it's epic. That That was
2: that was Brigham. I was standing there. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Justin, you were standing there too, weren't you?
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: was there. Yeah, Mareko was all about it.
3: Yes, like,
2: oh, yeah, hell
3: a- <laughs>
1: yeah,
6: yeah. All right, I have so a photo let's. Uh, uh,
2: Moreco holding it.
1: Do you really? Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. All right, uh,
2: that's does- that's that's such a publicity boost. It should become a tradition, and we should do it for somebody else or just every year. Every year, somebody every different. Year. Agreed.
6: <laughs> I ordered a whole box of a hundred more and uh, sent them to Pickle so he can kind of dish them out. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> oh, I love it. What about All right, you guys. Well, we're not we're not there yet we still got to talk to dustin man i'm doing this every, everybody here is in is in a in a circle on my screen and i'd like to do things clockwise so we're going to go over to hey,
4: first uh, Dustin all, from the art of
3: can you guys hear me okay uh, the circle's a
4: little different than yours then so my apologies
3: yeah. okay good just double checking i can't see yeah. The, yeah, the wavelength yeah. on my end so I'm just making sure you can hear me Oh, uh, yeah no it was it was awesome this was my first time uh at blade show and i was down with my brother devin he was he's super busy today got home and kind of fell into all sorts of stuff that had to get done, including he had a flat tire on his truck when he got home. So he's been dealing with all sorts of shit all day and uh, he wanted to hop in, but he sends everybody their well wishes, but, uh, but no, it was a blast. And uh, I think my biggest takeaway was just like how, how easy to talk to everyone was, Um, you know, just walking up down you know, up and down the aisles, going into booths, going onto tables. Every single person you talked to was like, everybody's on the same wavelength. Everyone is there because they love knives. Everyone's like laid back. You're talking to people from like Co. and they're just as easy to talk to as the dude who's got his table for the first time. And, uh, you know it was great. You know, I saw a lot of people that I love their work and I've been inspired by their work for forever and got to talk to the people like that. And then, uh, you know, got to meet a few people who really liked my channel and stuff, which was really cool and really humbling as well. So it was awesome. It was a blast.
1: Awesome, man. That's great to hear Ryan. You you, we, we got we got everybody else in here now, unless somebody else jumps in what uh what was your favorite part of blade and and what was the thing you you took away from it
2: um i I was really in awe of everything, and it was i think the coolest part was seeing where the bar is because you get to i've never handled another maker's knives ever. So you get to hold like the best of the best and people that are on your level and people that are a little better and a little worse. And like, so you get to see where the bar is and it's, that was a super interesting part. Um, but meeting all these A-list celebrities in the knife world and them just being so cool to you, just like, Oh yeah. Oh, I've heard of your show. Oh, like Marekko had heard a hustle and grind. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. He said it was because of you. And I it would it just blew me away. I was I was also like thoroughly sleep deprived and so I might have just been in shock from that, but it was great. Um I think I'll do things differently next year. I'm not equipped to get 12 hours of sleep in 4 days and fucking hang out with the young bucks. <laughs> and like like when I want to go to bed, I want to go to bed and I was hurting. But so I think a hotel room and nonstop flights cuz layovers sucked
1: oh you had layovers i didn't know that
2: i had a four and a half hour layover in jfk i got there at 10 30 and i left at we took off at 3 15 yeah that's brutal i had
1: i had non-stop so i don't know what that's like i don't ever want to find out uh
2: i watched a guy (laughs) play on a vr headset
1: so like I'm, i'm
2: i'm at my gate playing call of duty mobile on my phone and I look across the street from me. I took like a 40-second video of it and I think I sent it to Noah and Jeremy. But there's yeah. a guy with a VR headset on just going pee- pew- pew pew pee pew pew pew, pew 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 with his fingers. He was I sat That's there. Yeah. He was he was there when I sat down and I was in that chair for over two hours before they switched <laughs> my gate and he was still there. It's a good thing I wasn't <laughs> there. I
5: would have really messed with him.
1: Yeah, you would have. <laughs> awesome man well hey i still haven't honestly had time to kind of like digest and think about what all the the you know what my biggest takeaway is it's difficult for me my voice is still shredded from talking to people for 48 hours straight basically um but yeah i mean i also like didn't get enough sleep and you know i talked to i talked to some people that i've looked up to for a very long time and like a couple of you guys said everyone is super easy to talk to i mean jay Nielsen was one of the easiest people to talk to I've ever met. You could just sit there, stand there and have like, just like a normal conversation with him and talk to him about all kinds of stuff. Josh Prince um, was the same way. Josh Prince is an amazing maker and just like a super interesting person to talk to. I mean, he has just such a cool perspective about certain things and that was a lot of fun. Um, of course, we love our boys at Maribraid. they are always always fun to hang out with and uh and they were extremely entertaining at at multiple times and so we had a lot of great conversations and you know and I talked to all different kinds of people listeners of the podcast you know people who are listening to this you know I'm I talked to you and, and and all different kinds of stuff so that was really incredible um it was it was difficult because as um as most of you guys know I'm I'm a very uh solitary and anxious person so to be in a room of like ten thousand people was overwhelming as hell like that was it was it was pretty tough but uh it was worth it in the end like the, I, I had like one major panic attack where i kind of like melted down and shout out to uh micah from md edgeworks for just being like hey come sit behind my table and that was awesome you know so that was i think the, the biggest thing if i was to think about it the biggest takeaway was just the camaraderie You know, because we always talk about what, you know, how amazing the knife making community is and the the solidarity that we all have and and how open everybody is and like wanting each other to succeed and, and not being closed off like the way that other, other businesses are or other arts and things like that, you know, but to see it in person and to experience it firsthand where you've got all these people that are essentially competitors, you know, like we all like sell knives. And just to like the willingness for everyone to want, you know, everybody else to know as much as possible and to succeed as best as possible. I mean, I had, I made friendships that, you know, I, I I knew people before and I, you know, had respect for them and, and now to be able to call them, you know, actual like good friends, um, was, was really probably the biggest thing for me. Sweet. That's
2: amazing.
4: To add on to that, I mean, it's kind of more or less the same thing, but the amount of people that were like genuine, like because you could talk to whomever online and they can, you know, you kind of get a hard time to feel how they actually are in person because you're just online chatting. But then to talk to them in person, you're like, this guy's the same person he was when I talked to him on, on Instagram or wherever. And that was really cool because not being able to find a bad apple was was nice. Because some groups have
3: a lot. That's one of the beauties of uh, podcasting as well that you know you can do this and get a chance to talk to somebody and if you've talked to somebody for an hour or an hour and a half you know you have the whole new relationship with that person and then you know taking it one step further and going to blade and meeting a bunch of people and hanging out and you know drinking and eating and just like just standard conversations you really build a solid core relationship that will last you know potentially forever you know like you may not talk to this guy again until next year but you know, once you get back, you're already going to have that like over that hill. Uh, that's my brother and I. Why we love podcasting because we can have those conversations with people that you know, ten years ago, you would never had a chance to have a conversation with somebody like that, unless you like sent them a message and got their phone number and met them somewhere. But otherwise, you know, that's the beauty of uh, podcasting and big
5: shows like this. Yeah, and that's yeah, even sure. something that I. My first year was last year, and I did the first pre-show dinner within our circle, if you will, last year, and it went off pretty good. This year, it was banger. Next year, it's going to be even more so. I've already got a few vendors. I'll just say vendors lined up that are going to be there um, that are pretty cool, uh, maybe sponsor types that you guys already know. Um, so I networked my little butt off. But the thing is, is getting those guys that sell to guys like us and building those relationships also between the owners of the companies and the people that buy the stuff. And they're all just guys, too. Like, we're all just people. But building those relationships between people that have barely been making knives for a year to people that have been making knives for 20 years and all these new companies, new ideas, things that people deal with in their own shop because everybody has a different shop and all that kind of stuff and bringing everybody together and building a more solid community is just what I think we're all about, you know, and, and being able to do that and see everybody. And and of course I love seeing people's faces when somebody walks in the door and they're like, Oh my God, that's so-and-so it's like, yeah, go say hi, you know, and doing it before the madness of the show Where it's just everybody's chilling. It's like the dinner after the show, too. Like, every, whether it's the burger place or Brian House, again, I'm sure everybody's going to say thank you for buying all the barbecue, you know, having a big supper. Everybody just sitting around, just having a great time without that extra anxiety of walking around and seeing a bunch of crap. It's like you're just in your own little pod for a minute it's just, it's a great thing, you know, and it's the only, only time of year that everybody's there to do that.
3: <laughs> I was going to say that's uh, I kind of fell into Go that ahead, situation Justin. accidentally because Devin and I got there about at about six thirty, uh, the evening Friday night. And so we went out to dinner and got to meet a bunch of people there and then went to the pit and met a bunch of people there. So we got out of, you know, we got all the introductions and all the hellos and shaking your hands and just hanging out and chatting out of the way. So that way when we went into the show the next day i wasn't i wasn't like i didn't feel i didn't feel obligated to stop and talk to someone just to catch up although that would have been cool but it gave me a chance to really see more people like with you neil like i saw you the night before so i got to meet you there and say hey and then through the show we just like you know passed a bunch of times and we're just like hey hey you know because otherwise i would have wanted to stop and talk to you and say like see what's going on and what's up but this way it gave me the chance to just really like spend my time seeing as many booths as possible, which I still didn't see. Probably not even half. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, the getting that, um, that introduction out of the way. And I mean, a huge shout out to Neil for setting up the uh, the house that we were staying in and introducing people. I mean, I, I was cooking onions and I turn around and there's Jordan from JB blades. Uh, just like standing, showing off these knives that like I've seen on Instagram and stuff. And it's like, oh, shoot, here he is right behind me. And then Coy uh, came up and said hello to me. And it was it was like just a great icebreaker to just kind of meet some of these people that were going to be, you know, around at Blade. And I talked to I talked to uh, Jordan quite a while at Blade and everything, you know, but because I already met him, it was a lot easier. So it's kind of easing into that situation it was definitely a huge thing. Uh, one of the people that I met there was uh, Greg from Phoenix Abrasives. And that was crazy because I, you know, I've talked to Greg a number of times and, but of course I've never met him. I mean, it was just so cool to just be able to walk up and be like, Hey, you sponsored my podcast, you know, like, Hey, how's it going? And like, talk to him and stuff like that. And, um, He's a super cool guy, and we got to talk about different types of abrasives. Uh, Jeremy, there you were there at one point. We were talking about different types of, of abrasives, just like we do on the podcast, but it was with somebody who you know definitely knows his stuff, and obviously he sells all the things he needs to know about them. And so that was really awesome. I got myself a brick of blue polishing compound that
7: um, TSA definitely
1: thought was a kilo of cocaine on the way home. Because uh, I asked him to wrap it up really good so that it didn't get jacked up and like all over my (laughs) stuff so they wrapped it in bubble wrap and then wrapped the outside of it really really well so i got to unwrap that
7: i got to unwrap that in in the the middle
1: of the airport oh it was it was fantastic yeah so um speaking of phoenix sponsoring the show ryan uh let's take this opportunity to go ahead and uh uh, play an ad here for uh for phoenix abrasive since they are kind enough to sponsor the show
2: Not a problem, and I would like to shout Greg out before I do because he helped me get Kayla Cummings on the show, and she's booked for August, so that'd be cool. Got to make my mom proud. My mom is a humongous Kayla Cummings fan because of the show.
7: Right on, man. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, Click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator thirty-six grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact Gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code Hustle Ten for ten percent off your entire order.
1: There we go. Thanks, Luke. We appreciate all the uh, all the ad reads we get from Luke at Crafty man Forge. Uh, we like to play a lot of silly games on this podcast and we tried to, we're going to keep it to a minimum actually, because we knew there was going to be a lot of people on the show. We are going to do a little bit of uh, fake news though. Uh, normally we do our best to make fun of people like Justin Miller as much as possible. Uh, so, so Florida man forge is, uh, is, is, is it's pretty great to have him on the show uh, because we do a segment called Florida man that we do pretty often, but we're just going to do some fake news today. Uh, Ryan, do we have a stinger for that today? Or are we just gonna roll into it?
2: Oh you, yeah, thank you for reminding me. Oh Absolutely. well, the only the only one I have uploaded is "Where in the World." Okay, but it's awesome. a, it's a good one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, get ready to play. Where in the world
1: is Florida Man? Right there. I can see him. I can see him. He's right there. So, all right. This is fake news. These might be Florida stories. They might not be, but one of these is fake. I got three headlines here. I'm going to read off all three. Two of these, unfortunately, are completely real and absolutely definitely happened. One of them is fake, false, fake news. And all of you lovely people are going to get the opportunity to guess which one. We begin. Once somebody starts fumbling papers there. Okay, there we go. Uh, Pig steals (laughs) 18 beers, gets drunk, fights cow, and gets hit by a truck. Next up, woman arrested with nine... Sorry, woman arrested when nine stolen iPhones fall out of her vagina. And lastly, plane crashes with passenger body found partially clothed in compromised position in the seat of the pilot proceed with the pilot
5: i'm going ryan. with the plane crash being fake
1: ryan let's start with you what do you think here
2: um how many how many cell phones was it
1: do you want me to just reread all important
6: of important questions
2: no 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 how many cell phones was it nine 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 that's
6: believable Hmm. <laughs> was it the Max iPhone or
2: <laughs> old Motorola Razors? All right, well,
1: um, while, while you're thinking, I'm, I'll just read them all out again just in case anybody missed anything. Okay. So it started off with a pig steals 18 beers, gets drunk, fights cow, and then gets hit by a truck. A woman was arrested when nine stolen iPhones fell out of her vagina. And then a private plane crashed with passenger body found partially clothed and in a compromised position in the pilot seat.
2: Well, the third one is totally believable. But the first one is also believable. Actually, they're all believable. Y'all don't know Um, my buddy's (laughs) pig. Yeah, I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to go with the pig. I'm with Neil.
1: Jeremy, what you got? Uh, It's got to be the lady with the iPhones neil what you thinking
5: i mean i think i've seen pigs get uh, i've seen them get drunk um so i can actually believe that one um the pilot well you didn't say what size plane though so that could be a private two-seater with just him and his girlfriend so that's a possibility um so i'm gonna go with the lady with the phones
1: mr florida man yourself what are you thinking
5: I
6: feel like I've heard the story of the pig. I think that one's definitely true. It's got to be the phones.
3: I, well, the drunk pig, Dustin. That sounded believable. The uh, I th- I think Ryan convinced me with the nine phones in the vagina. So I'm gonna go uh, sex plane. I think that's uh, not as believable. I think if it crashes, they're not gonna be in the right positions anymore. <laughs>
1: Hmm. All right, final answers all across the board. Nobody wants to change. Good to go. All right. Good. The fake story was the woman arrested <laughs> when nine <laughs> stolen iPhones fell out of her. Bag. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. So the edges the th- are
2: too sharp on an iPhone. <laughs>
1: here's They're- the thing. See, I I see these these stories that people send me all the time and People send me stories believing that they're real, and then I have to Google them and then I find out that they're not, and then I have to put them in the fake category, and then they get, you know, it, it goes from Florida man story over to fake news story and all this stuff. Uh the 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 article originally read twenty three iPhones, and it was a legit like photo like Photoshop story with like a news like anchor and like everything. It looked really good. It was pretty impressive. Neil, what you got?
5: The, the the whole thing with the pig, like I said, I've seen a pig get drunk drinking beer, but you got you to gotta really read that whole thing aloud again. It got drunk and decided on its own to go fight a cow and then was trying to go back somewhere and got ran over by a truck. I mean, it's like basically trying to leave the pit with one of the random <laughs> hookers and getting hit by a car.
2: Were some of them ladies, ladies of the night? Yes.
5: There was hookers in the pit? Yeah. Whoa. I actually I'm... saw one that was probably a pretty nice escort and the body language was really, really saying this is not a normal conversation we have, but let's get out of here. And yeah. Yeah. I've serious. never met a hooker.
2: I would have paid her just to question her about her biggest Can we get you on the
6: podcast? Yeah, exactly. <No.
2: laughs>
5: wow. So do you watch so... between rounds or
2: yeah, do you call them John or? <laughs> <Where is that? laughs> what right, do you well, keep we're... in your purse? <laughs> like...
1: Hand sanitizer.
7: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so
1: real quick, uh, the the pig stealing the eighteen beers that was sent in by KH Daily. Thank you, sir. Mm. And then Uh uh, the private the private plane was sent in by uh, our very own Luke Johnson. And that one was difficult because it was actually like a pilot's report that was written out like as like in like plain person language, which I don't understand (laughs) at all. So I had to decipher it and then like turn it into a headline. But basically the long and short of it was, is that (laughs) there was. Yeah, there was it was it was bad. Don't. (laughs) Don't give your pilot boyfriend a BJ when he's trying to fly a plane (laughs) is the moral of that story. Like, just save that for the ground.
2: He had to have crashed because he was coming. (laughs) Airhead.
1: Or he was going.
2: (laughs) They were going down. (laughs) In every sense of the word. Um, I would like to shout out Kyle Daly, though. KH Daly, he is the most humble most generous motherfucker i think i've ever met in my life he is so cool and uh i i signed up for his class and then slept through it and i felt bad i appreciated that yeah i mean he said it was cool he goes he he said i wasn't the first one i'm like okay well as long as i wasn't the first we're good you already (laughs) paid
5: for it anyway so if you want to pay to sleep that's on you right yeah (laughs) No, Kyle's a great guy. He's on and if y'all don't mind me plugging, he's on the, the knife perspective podcast over there. But they're uh they're definitely a good group of guys, that's for sure. Absolutely. Jeremy, what you got there, buddy?
1: I was just curious if you guys had any any regrets from Blade. Ooh, regrets from Blade. I like that question. Neil, let's
5: start with you. I I regret not having a bigger house with more people in it because i enjoy oh, that a lot no i just enjoy that it a was lot. super I mean, fun my my whole thing like the last year we had like i think i mean i even slept literally on the floor last year because we didn't have enough beds so i just didn't care because i wanted everybody to be there but uh i think we only had like technically three or four beds last year this year we had eight beds two couches, an air mattress, and I oh know there was three couches technically, but nobody used them. And people were even like whining about no one taking the master for whatever reason. I just didn't want to because I already had my stuff in one room. But having a house where people can actually lay down and sleep somewhere comfortably, whether they come in at 10 o'clock or they come in at 2 o'clock, you know, lay down, go to sleep, you know, there's plenty of showers and yada, yada, yada sinks that don't work or whatever but (laughs) it's it's just one of those things like if i had a little bit bigger house and you know i would have not had any issue saying yeah so and so and so and so i'm still brigham brigham i know you're gonna listen to this dude you will be staying wherever i'm at next year don't worry about it okay you can ask but i'm gonna make sure you're there okay buddy but yeah finding out that people are yeah no no tent camping in yards dude I mean, I'm sure it was fun. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if it was up to me, I would rent a Georgia mansion with 20 rooms. And, you know, I mean, people can come and go as they please. I mean, there's plenty of vehicles there and yada, 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 so forth and so on. But it's just a great time. Great time. Well, or get vehicles
2: you got left
5: or get left. Yeah, there's vehicles that people pay attention. If they're the last one out of the house, Jeremy with the keys, Jeremy, you know, to a car, Jeremy. You know, so they don't <laughs> have to come back and pick everybody up, Jeremy. <laughs> but, look. yeah. You looked, right, but uh, you didn't knock. Uh,
1: <laughs> jo- Justin, what was, uh, did you have any regrets from Blade? No
6: real regrets. Just, uh, I'm, I'm awkward as hell. So, I uh, have a hard time introducing myself to people and generally assume no one gives a shit about meeting me. Um, I there, I probably could have introduced myself to more people, but,
2: you know. I was stoked to meet you, so much so that when I found out that was your chair, I stole it so that we had to meet. Oh, Jesus Christ. I sat next to your wife. I was like, Whose chair is this? She goes, My husband's like, What's his name? She goes, Justin Miller. I go, Cool. <laughs> I fucking sat down.
1: I spent the entire weekend looking for you, actually. So I mean, it's all well and good to be humble and assume that nobody gives a shit. But I finally on what was that Saturday night is when I first I first met you. And I was like, dude, I've been looking for you everywhere. Cause I mean, no offense. I didn't really know what you look like, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, somebody told me you were there and the whole sticker thing. And I'm like, well, shoot, I got to meet him. Like what the hell? And I couldn't find you anywhere. So I was super, super stoked to be able to finally meet you and, uh, and, and, and have a conversation with you. So that was really great. Yeah. Uh, I, re- Justin, I regret you meeting Justin from, Miller
3: uh, from Blade. It was a real tough time. <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> that was right it's the beginning it was great you come up, up and just
3: i was like holy shit that's so cool and then you like hand me one of the uh the pickle stickers and i was like yes i got a pickle sticker it's great heck yeah man <laughs> no i think uh one of the i met a lot of cool people that I, i've been inspired by for years one one guy who i didn't get a chance to meet was walter sorrell so i regret not meeting walter that would have been really cool and uh and not staying longer. Um, it's a long trip down and like for us to drive twelve down on Friday and then stay, you know, Friday night and Saturday and then leave on Sunday. Like I I'm thinking maybe next year we'll just uh I'll just take off like I don't, maybe I'll leave Friday, like take a half day of work on Thursday and leave Thursday and get down there like Thursday night. That way I can have all day Friday and uh and all day Saturday. So not being able to if I would have had another day, I wouldn't be able to meet a lot of those people. right on man what about you
1: ryan what you got
2: for biggest regret probably taking the top bunk (laughs) those are the most uncomfortable fucking bunk beds ever and for some i don't know if it was like the lack of sleep or like because when i'm focused like that i i don't eat as much as i usually do i don't know but like i would go from shivering cold to drenched in (laughs) sweat like three times without i'm like yeah no top no top bunk next year um and I, I had a huge missed opportunity that I rectified. And that was I didn't take pictures with a bunch of people that I should have taken pictures with. Like Mike had Dunn, uh, Brian House, Coy Baker, both the Lawrence Lakes, um, <laughs> you know, Lawrence, Lawrence and Dennis and Pickle. I didn't even get a picture with Pickle. So I got pictures of noah with those people and a few pictures of brigham with those people and i had my brother photoshop my face into the pictures and i just posted them so um, i missed opportunity averted i took care of it <laughs> the beauty is he's he's better at photoshop than i thought so he left brigham's beard in <laughs> the, the
1: best. So I'm almost going to be as good as the the pickle stickers. No. So, uh, <laughs> if uh, I don't really have uh, honestly really any regrets, I mean it was obviously there's ups and downs to every situation, and um, you know dealing with uh, anxiety of being around that many people is just what it's going to be. So I can't even regret that, you know. Um, I I kind of regret maybe not taking quite as many photos. Um, the only thing that maybe i kind of regret is not either checking a bag or or something like that just because there was a lot of cool cool stuff there and i set aside uh, a good a good bit of money for things that i knew i was going to want to buy um i kind of man i swear uh i got to meet um one of the guys from uh, oh, blenheim forge uh over in london and i had a pretty good conversation with him and I kind of wanted to buy one of their knives and I just, I couldn't because there was no way I was going to get it home unless I shipped it or whatever. But anyways, um, shout out to Jeremy for shipping me all the other stuff that I couldn't take on the plane. Um, but yeah, so I think um, if anything next year, I would maybe check a bag um, or, or set up some other way to be able to try and pick up some work from other people. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people out there that like I wished I could have bought their work, you know. I would love to buy some some of those people's work. Um and I'm not going to like name names here because there was quite a few and obviously I can only afford so much. Um but um it was it was fantastic and uh I really enjoyed at the very least seeing everyone's work because that was a huge thing for me was being able to you know, see the um the incredible stuff that everybody builds and it's not just my work you know because at home i just i just see mine and i just see pictures of everybody else's so being able to pick up other people's stuff and feel the weight of it and feel the balance of it and um and all that was was pretty
2: awesome i agree on the check bag because like that 10 Mm dollar ironwood table you know the one i'm talking about oh i know Mm -hmm. oh my god dude they had those huge yeah they had those huge planks of curly maple for like 40 50 bucks The huge planks of uh, bird's eye maple for like 70 to 80 bucks, $10 for ironwood. And like, I bought a geode for the wife that was like bright, (laughs) bright purple. Damn
1: it. I forgot to go back there and get one. Shoot. What's up, Neil? Neil, Neil, what you got?
5: Have we narrowed down the plan for the Cobb Galleria Burl?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So we're walking from, did you see that? Did did everybody see that? Like I posted I a picture of it, but we're walking from the venue to a burger place, and I instantly stopped. And there is a fucking—it's it, got to be four hundred plus pounds. The tree's over two feet in <laughs> diameter, and that burl is just like hanging off it, like six feet off the ground. I think it's oak. It looks like an oak. I
6: like drive a my oak.
5: truck every year, so
6: you know. Oh, right okay. So there's that. There's
5: that part. <laughs> I got a battery powered DeWalt chainsaw. I can get a hold of some orange okay. reflective vests. Yeah. So all yeah, I we're mean, missing here
1: is a ladder, and I think it, we're set.
5: Maybe if, some cones. If we get a, like three if we get a big
2: enough like three saw, cones. yeah, like you get a, a big old husky or a steel with a 36-inch bar, we could take it off in one minute. <clears throat> Just saw it right off, land it, and let it drop into the back of the truck and speed away. I'm sure people <laughs> so, do work in Atlanta. So, so here's
1: the here's here's the question: Do we do we take the battery powered saw, which is nice and quiet, and take a couple cuts and do it in the middle of the night, or do we do the orange vests, cones, and just make it look like we're
5: supposed to be there in the middle of the day? I think the middle of the day caper is so much more fun. <laughs> it's all about the confidence. Because we can okay. get we're really good video to be there of doing that.
3: that. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> yeah.
6: You're i do a lot though. of road
2: work so i can get the hard hats and the vests That'd we'll just great. take some of the temporarily take the make just it moving. look all legit yeah <laughs> so and it sounds them to me back.
1: Sounds to me like uh the professional redneck Justin Miller here is pretty much key to this plan next year. <laughs> oh, so yeah. we'll be we'll be counting on Justin to bring some some <laughs> And then I'm the tests. obvious
6: fall guy if it goes bad. Florida man. <laughs> <a deal laughs> from Blade yeah, Show I'm not taking the rap Sells out. it for
3: $10,000. <laughs>
5: <laughs> right. It it's All been right. there obviously for a long time, so it'll be it'll be it'll be known to a lot of people. It'll be great. We just got to make sure
1: anybody that listens to this podcast doesn't go and grab it before we can. I mean, we already (laughs) planned it out and everything live on air for them. So they're going to be getting some ideas in their head like, oh, I got to go get it before those guys get it next year.
5: (laughs) The the great burl caper of 2024. The great burl caper. I bet that thing looks amazing.
2: It looks flawless. There's no cracks in it or nothing. That tree's fully healthy. Like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so now all right so we got the, the great the great brawl caper lined up ryan let's hear from uh, let's hear from one more sponsor and then we can talk about him actually because we met him at uh, at blade and had a lot of great conversations
7: hustle and grind is sponsored by maritime knife supply whether you're looking for steel abrasives handle material forges epoxy or anything for making in general maritime knife supply has you covered and in the u.s or canada they ship faster than the great cobra chicken gooses that their country is known for go to maritime knife supply and when you buy a 10 pack of belts get 10 percent off and tell them we sent you eh
1: thanks luke so uh that was uh we just got another uh another person join the chat that's Mikey done uh, can you hear us,
5: Micah? Hello, hey Bubba. No,
3: we can see him.
1: <laughs> okay, well he's here. I don't know if uh, I don't know if he can hear us or or if we'll, we'll be able to hear him here in a minute. Um,
2: I one of the best goodbyes I saw from Blade was you and Micah, and it was when we had three hours to sleep. And I heard your boobies clap together and you guys hugged each other and it was a beautiful moment. That's
1: that, that is fantastic. I appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that, but yeah. Uh, uh, just so that everyone's aware. Um, if, if any, I, I really doubt that anything would ever happen between me and my wife, uh, we're, we're a pretty good team and everything, but if anything were to happen, Micah would probably be uh, uh, my my next in line for my next marriage, Uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and say that out loud, just because that's 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 the truth. Because that man's beard is is something I would I would bury myself in.
5: I have. He's a
1: gem.
2: He's a gem of a human. If my wife and I ever broke up, I would totally go sleep on his couch.
3: (laughs) He's just here. We'll sure. hear later. <laughs> I don't know if te- he's hearing any of this. I don't think he is. I texted
5: him, I so. but did, you, did y'all see or hear about what I did to Micah after? Because uh, so we already discussed it. How Josh Weston got one of his billets of Damascus that he made. And what he made was a maelstrom pattern from Moreco's pattern list, and so Josh Weston made a knife with the maelstrom pattern or maelstrom, whatever, and. Uh, micah and you guys and all left early saturday night because y'all are weak sauce which is fine i still love you and uh, about an hour later moreko showed up and sorry Mareko's messaging me um and uh <laughs> no <laughs> I'm, anyways i was doing my adhd thing but um we just played musical
2: chairs micah popping in fuck the signal up but we got it all fixed <laughs> so
1: uh i'm trying to remember we were talking about uh well we we're talking about a couple different things i think we we're talking about maritime because we just played our ad for maritime we got to meet uh lawrence for the first time which was awesome he's a super cool dude um and then i think i was talking about my m- romance with uh with with micah i think a little bit as well um but uh micah it's didn't like, get to hear any of that which is sad it's,
8: it's so. a lifestyle choice i'll go back and listen you know Oh, okay. All right.
2: <laughs> wow. Dustin, what you, know, you the got, best buddy? Part,
8: the best part about Lawrence too is he uh he was standing at my table for a minute chatting with me and then we we played the good old people watching game of uh of you know, is that is that a sugar daddy or a grandfather and granddaughter, <laughs> you know? Good
6: times. Can't it be both?
3: <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy Alabama. <laughs> As a preemptive pit hooker,
2: uh, Lawrence is way more funny than anybody would assume because he's not like you know, like even when he does lives, he doesn't say anything. Like when he's doing a raffle or giveaway drawing, he just like shows the numbers, hits generator, and is like, You're good to go.
7: Yeah,
1: much. Uh, I mean, up until Blade Show, I didn't even know what he, what he looked like. I knew everybody had, uh, Everybody had said that he looked, you know, he bore a striking resemblance to, uh, uh hang on. Dennis Tyrell. Dennis Tyrell. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was true. The, uh, the first time I saw him, he was, uh, I, saw, I saw him, he was standing behind, um, Someone else, I'm gonna stop trying to remember people's names here because (laughs) my brain is just awful at that. Uh, so I was like, Wait, is that Dennis? I was was like, Wait, no, no, hang on a second. So, yeah, shout out to uh, to Lawrence from Maritime Night Supply. We already talked about how much we love him on the show, but now I've met him in person, so I can say it to a little bit further degree. So, anybody that saw Lawrence at the show, probably got themselves a little uh, maritime knife supply koozie and a little $10 off coupon uh, to use on his website. So not something that other, other uh, retailers out there do, you know, and he's always been like that, you know, he's sent gift cards to people for different things and uh, throwing out uh, $10 coupons is just kind of par for the course for him and his, unique marketing style that just makes everybody love him and and want to do business with him is always super awesome. So it was great to meet him in person. And, uh, it was one more awesome person to meet at blade. Justin, what you got, buddy? I I think he nails
6: it. Um, word of mouth has always been nothing to do with my knife making, but my regular company, we've always been word of mouth and, the way he conducts his business i mean he lets his customers find new customers mm-hmm. i heard about maritime everybody talks about them and that's <laughs> now who i go to you know i don't hear a lot of people talking about other companies and maritime's brought up by everybody and that's just where i get my stuff now
1: yeah many such cases uh it's a lot easier to find maritime than it is for ryan to find the mute button for sure uh because everybody always talks about him i'm so, so sorry
2: I'm, I'm so sorry i was trying to hold it and like get to the button and it didn't work i'm sorry no i was coughing because i i I'd smoke weed while i'm podcasting because <laughs>
1: All right. So, uh, let's get back into the show here. Uh, we, we've already talked about a few things. Uh, Micah, before you were on, uh, we were just kind of going through and everybody just kind of said what their, their favorite thing about blade was or what their one big takeaway was. And then, uh, if anybody had any regrets, what was your biggest regret from, from blade show? Oh, so favorite thing for
8: sure. hundred percent was hanging out with everybody. Like I know, I mean, i would hung out with with Neil. I've hung out with Justin. I've hung i hung out with a couple people that that uh, I you know hung out while we were there. But there were a ton of people, you know, you guys, uh, or well, all you know, Jeremy, Dustin, uh, Noah, you and Ryan, um, uh, even some other some other TikTok guys um, like Matt Berger. Matt Berger, me and him have been buddies for forever through social media, but have never actually met. Um, Drew Machado, if y'all know him, I don't know if I said his name right. And if he listens to this, I'm sorry if I butchered it, but Viking Chef Forge, one of the coolest guys. He does like a lot of Ren Fairs and stuff. He's a solid dude. Um, Got to hang out and meet him. Uh, But like, yeah, like just that, that camaraderie that we see through social media actually coming to life and like i was talking with my wife this afternoon it's like you know how it's like whenever whenever you you regularly talk to your best friend from when you were kids and then when you actually get to hang out with that person and like nothing skips a beat and you're just still the stupid little kids that hung out whenever you were in high school it felt like Mm -hmm. that with this group of guy or well you know with all these groups of guys because I feel like we constantly talk to each other, you know, sporadically. Yes. But we, we still constantly talk to each other and like really, truly making that happen in person. It's just, it's just a whole different beast, you know?
2: Yeah. It's, it's strange how like I'm with Noah. I, I am a extreme introvert. Like when I go to get stuff at the store, I get like a week's worth or five days worth. Like, So I don't have to leave. And usually in these like big, thick social situations, I'm terrible. Um, But when you're there, like we're all each other's people. You know what I mean? We're all there together, even though some, a lot of us have never met for the same exact reason. We're there to network, we're there to buy stuff, we're there to sell stuff and we're there to learn shit. And it's awesome. I was not expecting that. I thought that I'd be like popping fucking relax me pills all weekend long. And I was fine. It was more like the lack of sleep and the miles and miles and miles of walking. You do like, mm-hmm. did anybody wear a pedometer or a Fitbit?
5: <laughs> I no, should somebody, have somebody needs to, to track the mileage. Neil, go ahead. I have an Apple watch, but I was going to say with Micah, he's the only one sitting here right now that had a table. I was going to, cause I'm, I want to. I want to have my stuff lined out and have a table next year, just to get an idea of his first year being there and having a table. What's it like from the other side?
8: Um. All right. So can can y'all hear me pretty good?
5: Yeah, you sound yeah. good. Okay.
8: Yeah. I'm just, I knew y'all said it was a little bit quiet earlier. I'm just. I'm trying to talk loud that way. It doesn't come come across like crap. Um. So. I well with the the whole regret thing too. I I don't regret having a table at all because that show was one hundred and fifty percent worth it. Like seriously, um, especially trying to push chef knives, it was like pe- people stopped constantly. Um, but I wish I could have got to walk around more. But honestly, I'm happy I didn't because. I had at least three instances where uh, I would go walk. I mean, maybe make a five minute lap if that. And when I got back to the table, the person watching my table would say, Hey, these people came by. They were really interested in this knife right here. They really liked it. They said they were going to come back by. I never saw them again. And as the maker, you know, Somebody walks by, looks at your stuff and is like, oh, man, did you make this? And, you, you know, the person at the table is like, no, but he's going to be right back. And it's just automatic shut off. You know, it's like you're not the maker. I don't I want to talk to to that person now about this stuff, you know, so uh, that that's the only thing is is it's you, you almost have to do your walking like you have to plan out to be there. Right when the doors open for the makers, set your shit up and 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 just you know then make your laps what you need to do, and then get right back to that table.
2: Go ahead, Jeremy. All
4: right, question for Micah. Then, um, if even if you wouldn't have sold anything, was it like are you would it are you saying it's still worth it?
8: Yes. Yes. Like, okay,
4: so like you hand out a ton of business cards type of thing. Like You think people are like interested in something that you didn't have, but you know you can definitely make.
8: Yep, because one, uh, I had one sell from posting videos and pictures of my table on Instagram and Facebook and all that other stuff. Wow. Uh, one, a guy from Australia. I haven't sent a knife to Australia yet, but apparently I'm going to really soon. Uh, he messaged me about one that I had on my table and he thought it was a different color. And so I, uh, I, I sent him a video and was like, Hey, this isn't the color you thought it was, but I'm at a huge knife show. I went around, took a couple pictures of the color that he wanted of, you know, handle material. I was like, if you find something you want, I'll grab it. I'll throw it on, you know, a brand new one. When I get home, get it shipped out within probably a week or two and you'll have it. And so it was still that, and even, even those two, like my, my mind goes into a show. If, if I can pay the table and the trip, I'm good to go, you know? Um, and luckily I, or, or usually I'll do a raffle or, or something like that before a show to make sure I at least have something, you know, to cover some costs before a show. Um, but even if I wouldn't have sold anything and had, you know, People like Mareko and Jeff Royer and uh, oh man, who else came? There you know all of those other just super high end, super high quality makers come by my table. Steve Schwarzer, you know, coming by my table and like picking my stuff up and saying you are on the right track. Keep doing what you're doing because like you're 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 moving in like you're moving a hundred miles in the right direction. Um, just that, like that affirmation of, of that is, is enough to say, yes, I need to, I need to do stuff like this, not just carry around, you know, four or five knives, but have a, a full variety of what you can do and have, you know, have it at the peak quality that you can put it at for what you're trying to put out there. It show, it like people, people notice that. So
2: I was insanely impressed by your work and after looking at, cause you know, when you first, Oh, sorry. When you first get there, you try to go to these makers that you emulate or like idolize first so that you can see their work. I didn't see a huge difference between your work and theirs. Like your work is exceptional, bro. It's fucking uh, amazing. It's really, awesome. I really, absolutely. Um, one of the coolest things I noticed while I was at blade was things I need to change in my knives. Like my chef knives need to be thinner, not by much, but they do. They need to be thinner. I've got too much meat behind my edge. And like, once you pick up enough of the high echelon makers knives and all of them have that one difference from yours, you know, you're like, okay, that's what I'm doing. That's not right. You know? And that was a cool thing to be able to like, see and pick up on.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the amount of people that walked by my table, dude, and picked up, picked up a chef knife and were like, "Oh, that's light. That's really light." And they smiled, and I was able to say, "Yeah, that like this shows you how much, uh, how much unnecessary metal goes into mass-produced knives." Because I mean, really and truly, most of the mass-produced kitchen knives, the the edge is almost like a bushcraft knife, you know. Uh, like that's how they're profiling them because it's quick it's easy you can knock it or you know it's 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 machinable you knock it out and you sell it and and that's what that's why mass produced stuff is so cheap but the stuff we're producing is just that peak performance from the edge to the thickness to the weight to if you're you know like you're doing the diamond grinds or s grinds or any of that stuff we're trying to meet that peak performance for what we're putting out there
2: yeah, for sure. I learned in um, Bob Kramer's chef knife design class that diamond grind and S grind are the exact same thing. Yeah, and I they thought did. they were different, but they're not. I was confused, so I guess I should call them S grinds. But um, <laughs> well hold on, Re- real quick before I before Noah goes, I wanted to shout out a guy who is two tables down from you. Steve Ramos and his, he's only got like 260 something followers on Instagram. His work was fucking impeccable, all mirror polished. He only uses genuine stone for the handles. He was so right next to me. Oh, he's right next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His work was unbelievable. And then when I looked him up on Instagram, I was like, he's only got 200 followers. That's a fucking crime. So, everybody go check him out. It's Steven dot e dot ramos just follow him so we're good there man cool um his work was unbelievable and he does the leather work and everything and his leather work i was like jesus christ bro like you know when you look at somebody's work and you're like holy fuck like that was the moment i had when i was looking at his stuff so everybody should follow him he's doing like four bevel hollow grind daggers that are just perfect. It's really high level stuff, but go ahead, Noah. Sorry.
7: Oh, no worries, man.
2: So
1: I just kind of wanted to, uh, what you were saying there, Ryan, about what, uh, you took away was that, you know, maybe your, your edges have too much meat behind the, behind the edge. Um, what, let's go around here and just kind of ask everybody looking at other people's work. What was one thing, that you thought that you, you measured up pretty good with. So like, let's say there was an aspect of different blades or different work that you thought, wow, I'm actually doing okay. And what was one aspect where you were looking at other people's work and you thought, that's what I'm going to work on next. You know, that that's where I have an opportunity to make my knives better or my work or whatever it is. Um, Ryan, you already said, so uh, I'm just going around the people that are on my screen here. Micah, uh, what did you see? Oh
8: man. Um finish work. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm totally gonna get into the whole Gator Piss stuff because I that's everybody who had super clean Damascus, you know, um, etched the dark. I mean it was that's that's what everybody's starting to use and I'm I like I like ferric, but I, it's so finicky sometimes. Like one blade'll etch one way, one blade'll etch the other. I, I kind of stopped doing coffee because of the same thing, because I was tired of putting one blade in and it would do one thing and the other one would do the other. Um, same thing with like, with Damascus, I'm, I think I'm going to start trying to forge thicker and, uh, and then grind away more because there's times where I'll try to forge too much because I like forging and I want to do that more. Um, but I, then I find myself, uh, with, you know, little, little spots, where it's you know i've grinded everything to where i need it to be but i wasn't able to grind deep enough so now there's just a little bit of spot of decarb or something right there where it's like well crap i I mean i can't take it any further or i'm going to screw up what i'm trying to do with it you know it doesn't affect the performance of the blade but it does affect the final look of the blade
1: so that thing and where did you find you measured up pretty well okay
8: I, I, I feel like I feel like I was I feel like I hit the mark that I that of of what I'm trying to put out there right now. Um, I feel like I I feel like my fit and finish. I mean, it, and you know that's anybody anybody's fit and finish could probably be could always be better. You know, I mean that nobody's put uh, even you know you think about it. Even master smiths are all their all their you know pieces aren't 100 master smith quality, but the pieces that they probably put towards the test are as like 99% perfect, you know? Um, but I, I I feel like there's stuff that I could do better, but honestly, I'd have to sit down and just pick apart my, my own stuff. And uh, I do that anyway. So my, my brain just constantly rolls to the next project. That way I don't get hung up on the, uh, on the little details and drag myself through the mud too much, you know?
1: Yeah, you got it. There's always a point in time where you you decide I got to I got to stop here. Otherwise, I'm either going to drive myself insane or I'm going to end up ruining the piece in the process. 100%. Jeremy, what uh, what did what did you see there that uh, that you feel like you're going to work on next? And what did you see that you feel like you measure up pretty good on?
4: Uh, I think that's t- well, a little bit tough for me being like a newer maker because I feel like there's so much more I can improve on. Like. I mean, what I feel like everyone can probably say fit and finish, but for me, fit and finish. Like I said earlier, like it just comes down to like me being lazy on a part where like I could, could have spent another hour and make it look that much better. Um, I don't know. There's a lot, you know, but I think maybe the one thing that I'm like, I'm happy with that I feel like I'm doing okay with would be, uh, probably between like blade shape or, uh. Just just handles, like uh, shape of handles, maybe like contouring them, whatever. I mean, I can hand sand a handle that buff it and it looks fine, you know. But there's, there's just so much more for me to learn. Only been doing it two and a half years or so and having a big jump last year. But I think going ahead, it'll just be like blade finish more or
2: less is my big thing, I think. Can I touch on that real quick? yeah um sometimes i found with fit and finish for me anyways it's not necessarily spending like hours more time on it it's getting it to a point where i think it's good and then waiting a day and looking again because sometimes in that moment either it's late at night or whatever i think it's perfect and then if i go back like a day or two later and pick it up i start spotting things i missed before Mm -hmm. and so i found that helps cut down on like hours and hours of manual labor where like you might be chasing the same thing, but maybe not. Or you might be chasing something that's not as bad as something else you could be chasing in that time. Um, That's just my two cents. But also after looking at your knives, your fit and finish is not that far off, dude. I mean, it's pretty good.
4: Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's little things like uh, before blade show, I was kind of showing Noah that EDC that I was carrying around in the Kydex and he's and he said, you know, hey, that that from your from the end of your handle to the to the tip of the the blade, there's it's kind of rough in there. He's like that that's one thing that you know you could fix. I'm like, yeah, that would take that would take 5 10 minutes to fix. And I didn't fix it and every single person I showed picked it out, which is understandable, but it's it's that taking the little extra time to just
2: do it, you know. Yeah. I mean, and we all know You know what I mean? We know what it needs to look like. It's whether or not we can bring ourselves to get it to that point before we lose interest. And I know I'm capable. Like, I mean, the rest of the rest of my handle, you
4: know, all the scratches look really good. So why didn't I just take the time to to do it there? You know, I
2: showed it on the rest of the knife. So, yeah, it's, it's just that just do it thing. Your micarta finish was good. And that micarta like that style is super hard to work with. And yours looked really clean, like no burns or nothing. Go ahead, Noah. I know we need to move on.
1: Well, I just wanted to touch real quick while we're on this rabbit trail here. The one other thing that I kind of learned just talking to people and, you know, the, the I don't know what you want to call it, but the, the, uh, the, you know, the upper end of makers is, is setting yourself up in your build using techniques to allow yourself to come to that that clean finish like the uh this is like a really rudimentary example but you know way back in the day before i was able to get good clean glue ups on my you know my full tang knives i wasn't setting myself up for success later on down the road when i was doing my initial grinding or my initial forging so that i could have you know no gaps there or whatever it was Cause I'd be focused on the blade. And so then I wasn't focusing enough on the tang. And so then I changed my mindset to where I'm doing the tang and the blade and everything all, all at the same time. So that I know that everything's flat and clean and it's going to glue up properly. So I think technique plays a large part in that fit and finish, even before you get to the fit and the finish part. And yeah, just it's like having that pre-fit. experience. Yeah, and having that experience and and knowing those techniques, good enough to set yourself up for that. Uh, Dustin, what you got, man? For our uh, takeaways from from Blade.
3: Well, I think uh, one of the things that I found that. Um, I could do better at is just like, just dedication to the craft. And now I'm not, I'm not a full-time maker. I'm a hobbyist maker. And I like, I try to do lots of different stuff on our channel and that's just the way I am. I want to really like have a broad range of skill sets, uh, but you know, forging, um, and just, doing more work. I mean, I, I love knife making and I, I just think I don't do enough of it. And so like seeing so many people who are dedicated to the craft and can put out like, you know, just quantities of work that are all really, really high, you know, having that consistency and that quantity um, and that dedication to like, keep going and keep getting better is just super inspirational. And so that's something that I uh, saw that I could get better at, like push myself to get better and do more of the same thing. I was just thinking today, it'd be kind of cool. I have, I have like buckets of uh, railroad spikes and I like making railroad spike knives. So I'm like, why don't I just forge like a hundred railroad spike knives over the next, you know, however long it'll get, you know, maybe I'll forge 30 and then the other 70 might be good enough to sell. And if not, that's fine too. But it's just something like that dedication to k- keep getting better and getting better and trying to push yourself further, which I see a lot of, a lot of makers, um, at night at blade show were are doing, and that's really inspirational. Um, The thing that I was, uh, really happy about was that I I talked to a couple makers. Um, I talked to Lynn Ray and I talked to Michael West and both, um, were like the one thing I love about their work is the proportions, uh, blade to handle and lines. And that's something that I really try to do. And they were both, um, you know, we had this similar mindset and just comparing myself with other makers and the, my own mindset on, on proportions is something that I've, uh, I, I think that I do pretty well. So that was kind of a cool takeaway. And, uh, Michael West, he really liked my knives. He's got like some of the craziest knives in the world. And, uh, and then we all know Lynn Ray and his just, you know, just everything he does is just perfect. Everything just seems like the handle and the blade together, the proportions of the juxtaposition position between the two is just impeccable. So, um, that was one of the things that I, I, uh, I felt good about leaving the show that I thought that I, you know, kind of after the years, I mean, I've been making knives um, as a hobbyist since 2002. And, uh, you know, I think that I have, I feel like I have a good grasp on what I see for proportions. And I think that goes back to my background in art, you know, trying to get those things to go together. Well,
1: Those are some really great takeaways, man. I, I didn't even know Lin Ray was there that's, uh, that's incredible. I didn't see him or, or anything. So, so awesome. That's phenomenal, man. I'm, I'm really happy for you that you got to do that. Yeah. Uh, Justin Miller, what you got, man?
6: I think, uh, I just need to make more. That's, that's my biggest, uh, hold back is making more and quick giving up on stuff. Like I've got so many knives that I just get disgusted with or stop liking. I'll set it down and come back like a week later and I already hate it, and and I just try to start something else. I just get so much stuff that I start and never finish, and it's kind of holding me back from
1: progressing. Well, um, what uh, what was your what was your positive takeaway? We can't just do negative, man. We got to do positive. My oh,
6: positive takeaway, um, I think um, I think I do some things well. Um, looking at some people's work, I see some things that I definitely wouldn't, uh, wouldn't let myself get away with, but a lot of things that I need to, I mean, it, it definitely is. It shows you where you stand for sure.
3: Hmm. I was
2: muted. I was trying to touch on your first point, but I was still muted. So I'm an no. idiot, <laughs> but feeling that way, like hating your knives, I believe is a hundred percent normal. I hate something about everything I make. Yeah everything i make and after talking to my brothers who are both tattoo artists and in, in like you know physical art like that they feel the same way every tattoo they do there's something about it nobody sees but they hate but and only another tattoo artist would see it
6: yeah for sure i um that that's why i haven't sent you your tomahawk i um i hate the two that i've made for you and have to do a third send them
2: Send them. No, send them. I'm not going to care. I'm going to love them. I'm going to throw them at shit and it's going to be dope. If I, I, will, I will
6: send the garbage ones, but I will make a good one.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I mean, I completely agree. I mean, not even, I mean, not even two hours before we started this podcast, I was messaging with Ryan and Jeremy <laughs> on this knife that I'm working on. And I did my initial fit up and I looked at it and I hated it. And I'm like, well, okay, now I got to change this. So, I mean, the knife's almost done, and I'm going back and I'm fixing stuff because I look at it and I hate it. So that is something that we all struggle with, and it's it's not, not new at all. Dustin, what you got, buddy?
3: Is that though like that you you hate what it looks like or is there something you did along the way and I, I'm kind of asking everybody but you know because I feel like when I get the most frustrated when I'm making a knife is when I, I like fuck up something that I know I shouldn't you know and I'm like doing it and I'm, everything's going well and then all of a sudden I'm there with my respirator and my, I'm like listening to a podcast and I've got everything on and I'm in my shop and I'm like motherfucker you know because I know I, sh- I fucked up something that I shouldn't have you know in the grind or like. Whatever. I I will say that I, I often like my work, but it takes a long time to get to that point. Maybe it's like the end goal, you know, to try to, I think just trying to avoid those, those screw ups along the way.
1: Yeah, that's um that's definitely something uh that I think we could have a whole conversation about. <laughs> yes. uh, Jeremy, why don't you hold on just a second here? Let's get let's get Neil's uh takeaways and then we can come back to that actually. Um so let's hear from Neil on uh what he saw that he he was inspired to work on and what he felt he measured up on.
5: Um uh, I was a genius and took my mono steel, non-forged stock removal knives and showed them to Morocco. So that was great. Um, <laughs> made me feel great. No, I actually, honestly, I, I did because he's him, Charlie Ellis. So Morocco, Charlie Ellis and Neil Kamura and Noah Bashan. um, when it comes to kitchen knives, especially are where I get my inspiration for ergonomics of the handle and everybody who's been around me knows that I talk about that a shit ton. Um, because they make stuff that doesn't look like necessarily it would be comfortable. I mean, I remember the first time looking at Marekko's faceted handles going, there's no way that's going to be comfortable in your hand, ever. You know, and then the first time I made a faceted handle, even though it wasn't that good, I was like, well, wait a minute here. Something's going on, you know. And so, I've designed all my stuff based off of things, and I've talked to them about it along the way, and they've, they've, they've brought me up to speed. So, giving... Moreco, one of my faceted handles, and have or it was a semi-faceted. It was more Western still. It wasn't quite as, you know, hard faceted. But he loved the shape. He loved the way it felt and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but knowing that, oh, uh, then the the RS petty knife. The R, This the petty pairing. The one that you know some of you got to like. Micah got to use it during the uh, initial dinner there on Thursday night, cutting up everything. The one that that helped cook the dinner. He loved that handle, even though it was a little thin. Um, it wasn't a little thin as like a little thin as a problem, but it was a thinner handle, uh, perfect for the size of the knife and all that kind of stuff. He said it was great. So getting that kind of feedback, knowing that everything I've been trying to do with that was, well, like you say, affirming. That I mean, it was a great thing to hear that because that's the goal I've been going for. Is something you can hold in multiple positions and work with it all day and it's great you know having real chefs have my knives doing the same thing is great too um what i could work on and it's things you know you get to a point where you know what you what you skipped out on and what you could have taken more time on but even just on my spine where it's like when i think i've got the edge soft enough i could go a little softer uh, that little detail work like my fit-ups and all that's is good i mean that's just got to take your time sometimes with that to make sure you got everything squared away um but definitely something that was pointed out to me that i overlooked even on the the smaller knife was when i was doing my final finish kind of run across grinds on the spine there's one spot where it changed the scratch pattern changed directions right before the little harpoon and after it was pointed out to me it's like i i I guess i just kept my my brain just kept overlooking it but then that's now all i can see you know even though it would take like three seconds with some double lot just to run across it, you know, it'll just clean that little lineup. No problem. Um, but besides that, doing more forging, you know, trying to get more comfortable doing stuff like integrals and, um, uh, getting blade profiles down while forging without having to do as much grinding after the forging, which is something that, you know, I've even talked to Micah about, um, you know that's something I know I need to work on because it's not, not and there's nothing wrong with never forging a knife and only ever doing stock removal. Obviously, Ryan does it amazingly, but I love to forge also. You know, so it's like having that that option of either way to go. Like, and Micah had it on display also, having budget knives. These are like quick, easy, simple. You can pay less for them, or here's, you know, a feather canister knife, and it's beautiful, awesome, cool, double faceted kind of crazy handle thing going on. And it's bitching and knife and you can spend like a grand on it. Like, what do you want to do? You know, having those options down and, and, and trying to figure out where I need to be at with all that kind of stuff is something I need to work on too. Um, so yeah. And then of course going with two or three knives versus at least having six or seven <laughs> to an event like that, you know, even if I'm just walking around um, would have been more handy, but I just wasn't really hundred percent sure on how that was all going to work out. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. I mean, just details, you know, you get to a point when it's all details. So just have to keep working on the little things till there aren't any more little things that you can see than ask somebody else if, like, or like Ryan was saying, or yeah, like Ryan was saying, put it down and come back to it tomorrow and see if there's some little thing you might've just overlooked or missed. So yeah. I think that's uh, both really good things. I'm, I'm really
1: happy you're able to get that, that cool feedback from Mareko and everything. Um, I want to go back to our regret question. I regret not asking Jeremy to bring down one of my chef knives to, to show to some other makers because he has one of my chef knives and that would have been the easiest way. And I didn't even think about it. So that was my regret. Um, Dustin, you brought up kind of the aspect of hating your own work. So let's touch on that real quick. Uh, We've already been on here for quite a while, and we need to jump over to an after show uh, pretty soon. But let's just go ahead and everybody can kind of touch on that. Um, Oh, wait, I didn't answer the question. Okay, I'm just going to answer the question real quick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jamming at Christmas. Uh, So what I saw the most when I was looking around at other people's knives is my handles are fat bastards. Compared mm. to most of the other people's work. And I make fat handles because they fit my hands really well. But when you're looking at especially a kitchen knife, because I've been doing a lot of kitchen knife work lately, most people, and maybe I'm completely wrong here, but myself at least... I barely even grab the handle you know i'm in a pinch grip i'm barely even hanging on to the handle i'm not trying to like grab the thing like a big chopper and swing it you know um there doesn't need to be that much handle there and don't get me wrong i'm really proud of the way that my handles look and i love the different facets that i put in it and everything like that but holding micah's uh, chef knives and other people's chef knives i mean they're thinner and sleeker and so that's something i'm going to work on um where I think I measure up would be my blade profiles. Um, I was expecting to look at people's chef knives and be like, oh, geez, mine are, you know, mine are just dog shit or whatever, you know, their spine, you know, the edge geometry and everything like that. And I was looking really close at people's edge geometry and their spines and everything. And I felt like I was actually doing pretty okay. So. I'm happy with my, my blades the way they are. I just need to work a little bit more on my handle, uh, my handle work. And I'm going to, I'm going to be taking a really hard look at that in the shop coming up here after looking at some other people's knives. So as far as looking at your own work and hating it, uh, I'll just go ahead and start this one off because I was making a hidden tang knife and I don't do that very often. And I left way more material than necessary. um, between the heel and where the, where the bolster is going to fit up. So there was just this giant gap. It would have been really comfortable in a pinch grip, but aesthetically it was so off balance that I wanted to chuck the thing up against the wall, which would be really silly because I've got like 40 (laughs) hours of work into this mosaic Damascus piece. So I didn't chuck it up against the wall. Um, but, yeah, so it's just things like that where you get to a certain point and you think that somebody so you think that something's going to look aesthetically pleasing. And then you get down to it after all this work and it's not. And you're like, well, shoot, that sucks. I freaking hate it. Or another example is I make EDC knives um, and I try to make them as cheaply as possible. And so I made this little knife called the shotgunner. And after I'd sold a ton of these things, I just looked at them and I decided that I hated them. And it was like, maybe I was just tired of looking at them or whatever it was. I was like, I'm never making another one of these again. And I came out with a V2 and I'm happy with the V2 until I start to hate it. So it's just either something that you thought was going to look good. And then you decided that it didn't or something you just get tired of looking at and you decide you hate it after that. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Let's go around again. Micah, what you got?
8: So I'll I'll touch on uh, let me but what you said just a second ago about about the handle shapes. I I think about it the the whole thinning it out and being smaller or being fat or being square or being you know an oblong shape. Think of it how people talk about uh, how people talk about measuring the uh, the amount of Damascus you will have at the end of your billet. You know what I'm saying? Where you, you measure those square inches. Um, so if you're going with a square, like figure out what ergonomically works in your hand, what feels good, and then change either the the width from the sides or the height of the handle and play with that because you can keep those that same mathematical ratio on a full handle and you can make it thinner all the way down but it can be deeper on the handle and it can still fit great because your hand is going to conform to that, even in a pinch grip. And that's, that's something I've tried to, to push excessively, um, of every single one of my handles, people will hold the handle and they'll be like, yeah, I like it, but that's a little bit different. And then I say, hold it like this. And I put their hand in a pinch grip and they're like, that feels amazing. And so I'm. I shape my handles to try and force people into that pinch grip because people are nowadays, uh, unless you're a professional chef, nobody knows what a pinch grip is. You know what I mean? Or not? Not nobody, but not. I bet you nine out of ten people just grab a handle and they hold it like they're about to go chop something, right? Uh, instead of actually a delicate pinch grip where you have a ton more control of what you're trying to cut because. If you only the only time you're going to chop anything in a, in a kitchen, and who even uses really uses a cleaver in their freaking kitchen anymore? You know, everything that we get nine times out of ten, either you cook it to where the bones fall off or it's going to be boneless. So, why do you need a freaking cleaver? You know what I mean? Um, I feel
1: like a
2: badass. That's why. You know, that too.
8: Um, <laughs> but
2: uh, you're, you're, uh, you're 100% correct. My wife does what I call the hammer grip on the yeah. chef knives. Yeah, she grabs it like that, and I'm like, "What are you my doing?"
8: And it drives me nuts. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to work with her to, to, to actually understand. You have so much more control like this, um, but, I like I, I, try to focus. Aesthetics can change, like you were talking about your V1, V2. Um, I had some, I had some little hunters with hormones on them on my, on my table. If you guys remember seeing those, and that's probably the fifth version of that blade you know, just flat out. And what I, what I do is pretty much what you did. I'll, I'll run the ones that I have and then I change what I don't like. And then I'll run the ones of those I'll do probably 10 or 15 of them. And if I don't, if I really don't like them or if I get some, some mixed feedback, I'll change it, change it and change it. And those are like the fifth version of those. And I've just constantly, I mean, aesthetics are constantly changing or changing ergonomics are you know the number one necessity of everything so but what was the original question <laughs> Justin, what was the
3: original question <laughs> actually i think you hit on the it it was like what work. part of what, what part of the knives that uh that you don't like you know something that you hate or something that you know doesn't turn out. i forget who else who else said it but i brought it back up as like you know what is that thing that you know or something that you screw up and you know and then you're like you're angry at yourself and you're like oh, yeah.
8: It's trash what do I, I i don't i don't like i hate i want to be an instant gratification person and i i try to etch stuff before I'm done and then I constantly <laughs> have to go back and fix stuff constantly and it drives me nuts um But yeah, that's, that's my, that's my killer right there is I'll, I mean, like, well, I know I talked to Jeremy about, about, you know, uh, and Neil even touched on it, rounding those corners on your spine. Um, and I'll be instant gratification and I'll etch the blade, you know, the side, everything is at, at like 600 or a thousand, even up under, up under the, uh the heel of the of the blade it's all good i'll etch it i'll pull it out and i'll be looking at it and i'll turn it to where i look at the spine and it's like 120 scratches all the way down the spine and i'm like oh
1: freaking a you know so jeremy what you got for uh things that you hate about your own work and 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 what 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 those things are and and how you go about fixing the fact that you look at something you made and decide that you hated it
4: um, I think my like number one thing is if I look at something and I'm like this thing is absolutely hideous, I'll go to other makers and I'll send them a photo and be like, either ask them what they think is wrong, or what I should do to fix it because having another set of eyes on it is really nice. And then even like what you did today, you sent it in and to me right off the rip, I was like, yep, I think you should move those shoulders forward and. Maybe, maybe to you that was like, "Yep, that's gonna fix it." Maybe, maybe you didn't see it. You know what I mean? So, just having another set of eyes on something is—it's uh, just—it's just super useful, I guess. And other times, I'll look at it and say, "Can I make this a hidden tang?" So I really hate the handle if it's too short or something. I finish forging. It's like, well, maybe, I, maybe I can turn it into something else. Like maybe that wasn't the plan, but what's Jason Knight say? We don't make heirs who make smaller knives that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah. there was a
1: t-shirt there that somebody was passing around or selling and i didn't i didn't find out where that was i think it was actually right behind uh they were selling those and i never got one it was the little kid
6: it was the 12 year old that um that makes the knives himself his dad was there um i got one of the shirts and i can't remember uh can't remember the name of them
1: Right, yeah, well, was if you do kid. remember, or if you see it, uh, shoot me a DM because I want to see if I can buy one online or something. I'll shoot you a picture of it. I have it in the other room. Sounds good, Dustin. You're the one that I originally asked the question. Do you want to go ahead and answer this one?
3: Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the biggest things, I guess, is just like looking back at old work. You know, I kind of forget what I've done. And then I, I pull out an old knife that I made and I'm like, Oh, that's crazy. Like, I have no idea how, like, how I would have liked that knife at that time. It's like, what was I thinking? I actually had the thought, like, maybe I'll bring one of my like first knives or I'll bring uh the first YouTube video that I ever made was a knife for my wife. And I like pulled hers out and I said, like, maybe I'll clean it up and bring it along just to show people as like the novelty no, no. The handle was too short. The like the drop point was off. The the proportions were off. But uh, I think you know at the time I liked it. But like looking back, I was like, "Ooh, no, I'm not gonna bring that one along." Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually having this conversation with Jeremy at uh, the uh, in the pit about how critical we are of knives. And, uh, when you're in that situation with so many high end knife makers, everyone's there and everyone's trying to prove that they're like the best they can be, or like trying to like, you know, compare themselves to other people. You know, my thought is like, we got to remember that these are tools like this is something that you ideally want people, someone to use. And if it's like, if it's too perfect or I don't know, I mean, you know, like you're talking about Jeremy on like this, your spine with like the little bumps. I was like, yeah, I can see it, but like, you know it's a for an edc knife for like a knife you're going to use like is that really going to make any difference in the knife no and i can see what you're saying jeremy like you you you're holding yourself to a standard and you can like do that thing but um i think you know sometimes we're a little bit too critical i'm i'm really happy with belt finishes on my knives i rarely ever hand sand i also don't make a ton of culinary knives but uh but for what i make you know i think as a tool i wanted to work a certain way and and uh sometimes i think we're a little too critical on how far we need to push things but that's everybody's own perspective i guess
1: no that's a really really great point about maybe being too critical on on ourselves at times uh justin you got anything on this one man as far as i'm concerned
6: my problem is i take so long to make anything like i'll set something down and i won't see it again for a week and like, it's almost shocking that like, man, I, I just don't want to pick this up again. And I, I kind of have to force myself to jump back into it or not even, not even having a plan. Like when I go to forge, I just want to go in and just, just start making, and I really should draw something out or have some sort of plan before I just start mashing on steel. I, th- I think that could save a lot of my headache. That's a good point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, Neil, we're going to get to you and get your answer on that. Micah, what you got?
8: I was just going to say, you don't, I wouldn't, I, I, I I try to do the, the draw stuff out because I see so many people do that. And my brain doesn't work like that because I want to, I want to throw like three or four different things in the fire. Um, so I try to go in with the plan of, okay, I've got this piece, this piece, and this piece. I'm going to do two chef knives and an EDC and, you know, let it flow. Or, or I go in with, or I, I think, okay, I want to make, I want it, I want it to look, so, you know, at least a Santoku and then just roll with it. You know, those kinds of things. That's, that, that's something I do that if, you know, if it helps, you know, you, cause I feel like you and me kind of have the same similar squirrel brain sometimes, uh, <laughs> But uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, that's what helps me to kind of get through that, that whole, I don't know, creative blockage or, you know, not, not knowing what to do or just throwing something in and then not, not being happy with what you end up with because you don't feel like you have a plan. Even a small plan will, you can grind it to shape, you know?
2: Yeah. I do that same thing, Micah, and I call it the sculptor approach because a sculptor will go up to something and just let the knife become what it is and it also for me helps prevent disappointment because if i if i you know if i dike them the blade and i lay out the where i want the bevels to stop the first time i go past that line i'm going to be so pissed off i'm going to be discouraged on the knife but if i don't even set that goal for myself and i just let it flow like you said and let the knife become what it is I don't feel that disappointment. It makes the whole process a lot easier for me. Yep.
1: I I fully support that. Unfortunately, there's only certain areas where that works. If you're trying to do like a production batch, or if you're trying to make, you know, a set where you need them all to be the exact same, that isn't allowed anymore. So you, you kind of have to work, work where you can with what you can.
2: But if, <laughs> if you're buying an- handmade, kn- if you're buying handmade knives, you don't want them to look factory. You want them to have the human element, which is which is sure. a minute difference in every blade. You know what I'm saying? That depends I on the person buying them,
5: though. Well, and if,
2: like, it does that, it? why would you want identical knives from a hand maker? Like well, you we'll know, some go um, you
1: gotta you gotta talk to your customers. I mean, everybody everybody is different, and every customer is different. Jeremy, did you have your hand up a little while ago there, bud? Uh it got answered, so I just will let Neil take over. <laughs> All right. Neil, where where are you at with, with, when you were well, hating you my, hating at my your, stuff? Yeah.
5: <laughs> well, I mean like, okay, some challenges I've had, um, longer stuff. I, I'm not, for some odd reason, when I start grinding longer knives or anything, honestly, anything past about 11 and a half inches, I don't know why it's about 11 and a half or 10 and a half inches. I start having issues with keeping the, probably about the last, let's say maybe the last uh, third almost sometimes of the bevel leading up to the tip. My tip will start to lead one way or the other. Like my bevel mm-hmm. will start to kind of push the tip around. No matter what grind I'm doing, it doesn't matter if it's like a, a big ass like camp scandy kind of knife or something or a bigger more flat grind kind of chef knife or anything like that it takes me so much more time to do those because i have to slow way down when i get near the end to make sure i'm not and i think i know what it is after screwing up enough is you got that much more leverage when you're coming across if you're not using a push stick or something you end up pulling that that I used to shoot a lot, a whole lot, and you can, you can squeeze a trigger a little too fast and jerk the barrel off by a millimeter and downrange your bullet 200 yards downrange is four inches off. And it's the same thing. It's like you barely bump the handle, for example, if you're, if you're down on that end of the the tip and it, it just pushes it across the platen just enough in a weird enough way that it just moves the metal differently. So trying to keep I was gonna say that sounds like a grip issue. That sounds like
2: like you're holding it the same spot the whole way across, so you get a, like a pivot point almost.
5: Yeah, that, that's what and I'm you saying. Can end up torquing it with your hand. Yeah, right. So, you know, re- le- learning that as I get into the bigger and bigger chef knives, especially because they're so particular and small or thin, um, I don't. The average person honestly doesn't need a ten plus inch chef knife. Ten's about the limit when these people are wanting a 13 inch uh, yada, 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 I'm like, how much tuna are you really cutting up? I mean, you know, invite me over, you know, are you doing swordfish steaks tonight? I mean, what the fuck? So, you know, it's not a normal thing, um, unless you're doing a big brisket slicer or something like that. But like I said, working that, that bugs me a lot or like i The ones that I brought to Blade Show, I jumped on thinking I could just jam on a radius platen because I've worked on it a little bit and do an entire radius bevel that I've never done before. And I got some bobble issues in my bevel and I hated it, but I didn't have enough time because I waited. I procrastinate sometimes too, which I think we all do. And then, you know, we know we can work fast and get it done, but then we don't think we're ever going to make a mistake and have to fix it either, you know, because we've done it a hundred times. And all of a sudden you make that mistake and you're like, oh, this is garbage, you know, like that wasn't my best blade work that I brought on the bigger chef knife, you know, on the small one, it was fine, but it just, it was bugging me the whole time. I ended up grinding a recurve into a chef knife, which isn't a normal thing, even though some people do it to be stylized, but it's not, it's, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like it. So it, it was bothering me, but it's still a cool ass knife and it's still sharper than shit. But it, it just, you know, things like that get to me a lot. Then I get depressed. And I don't want to work in the shop for three or four days and I got to call somebody and cry. And then, you know, everybody's all, all good with that typically, but, but yeah. Don't
2: call me. I hate it when people cry.
5: No, that's why I don't oh. ever call you when I'm, and I'm yeah. you know, I usually call Jeremy because he thinks his work's not worth any kind of money. So it makes me feel better. Even though if we all cry know, around maybe, me, I'm like,
7: we're <laughs> not doing that conversation nope.
1: again. We already nope. did that conversation 18
5: times. Just just, had to poke him one more time with it. <laughs> no, I <it> was tired <laughs> of right. hearing it.
1: All right, guys. So we between this and and we actually had to cut out in the middle we've we've been going for quite a long time here yeah. let's go ahead and wrap this thing up we're going to go into an after show um and in the after show we're going to get everybody's just kind of final thoughts you know we're going to go around like we have been doing just kind of going around and, and letting one one person talk at a time and we're going to get kind of everybody's final thoughts on blade and just kind of like what they're looking forward to the next time or, or what they got coming up in the next year between now and the next blade and other shows and that sort of thing. Um, in the after show, you do have to be a patron to listen to. So you can go to patreon.com slash hustle and grind where for as little as $1 a month, you can support the things that we do here. Um, as soon as you click that button, you're going to get access to all of our after shows past and present. So anything you want to listen to, um, as soon as you click that button, somebody wants somewhere in the world will die, unfortunately, but you're going to get great content. So it'll be worth it. Um, also in this after show, we're going to go through the patrons and I'm going to be giving away one of my bottle openers. So I got this square twist bottle opener here. If you're watching the video, you can see I'm mirror polished at the bottom of it. And if you follow me, you probably already saw the reel. So I tested it at the very beginning of the show to make sure that it would open a beer. And, um, that's why I'm a little looser at the moment. So uh, in that after show, we'll do a little drawing and we'll give away this and uh, it'll go to one of you lovely people that support us on Patreon. We thank you so much for your support before we go. Neil has something else he wants to say.
5: Yeah. So all it the people, it'll be real fast. All the people that are patrons are going to get to learn about a really, really cool thing about the uh, pre-show dinner next year that no one else is going to hear.
7: Ooh, cool.
1: That right there might be That's worth badass.
7: going
5: over to patreon.com. So Ryan,
1: why don't you go ahead and wrap us up and get us out of here, bud.
2: I thank all of you boys for coming on. It was a blast. And I want to shout out Brian house, Dexter house, Sarah house, B Brigham, Kindle, both Lawrence lakes, Dennis Tyrell. And you know, everybody there's too many to name in, in one thing. We also sure. didn't do the Phoenix ad, so I'm going to play the Phoenix ad and then roll it out with the intro music right after. So We definitely did do that ad. We did? Yes. Sure did. Oh, my God. I got to quit smoking. All right. <laughs> Catch you guys on the after show. Thank you to everyone
1: who we saw at Blade. Hope you have all have a great week.